harmony and peace and the sun will once again rise up in the east. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. What the fuck? Welcome back or welcome for the first time to the soothing sounds of Ink Pulp Audio. Hello, everyone. I'm, uh, I've had a day, and I'm going to tell you about it. Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, we're going to get into Mark Brooks Part 2 in just a little bit here. But first, I, I've got a story to tell. I'll tell you, being a parent, I think one of the most surprising and most valuable things I've learned is a lot of good parenting is just following your children's lead, listening to them and following their lead, getting rid of this need to control. It's there. I think most parents probably have it. You get to this, this uh, place where you find yourself holding your ground on something simply because you, you need, you want to maintain control. And uh, that's that's never a good thing, and, and that's not parenting. I mean, we all do it. We're, we're all guilty, but the uh, you don't need to control them. You gotta let them let them run free, like the little rugrats they are. Uh, so um, yeah, yesterday, yesterday was not today. I said today. I meant yesterday. Yesterday was a big bullish doo doo, and I'd like to. Put it in the past, but I but I learned a valuable lesson. And what lesson was that, Sean? Would you tell us? Would you please tell us? Um, all right, let's recap the day. My mornings are nuts. I'm always getting up. <laughs> really, that's surprising because no one else does that. You wake up? Yeah, I do. I do. Uh, so I get up early, I get up usually around, it's a school day, so, so six, and then a little, get some coffee, me get in the shower. Um, I'm in charge of my daughter in the morning, my wife's in charge of my son. You gotta divide and conquer these little fuckers. That's why I don't understand having more than two when they outnumber the parents, there's a problem. They can win. They'll break you. So... After the shower, dressed, and then my job, get br- get breakfast made for Zoe. And look, my kids, they eat well in the morning. None of this cereal and milk shit. That's the lazy man's, lazy parents' breakfast for the kids. No, no, no. We got a high protein gourmet breakfast in my house. Uh, normally, uh, uh, some eggs or turkey sausage, accompanied with some delicious. Frozen waffles. These crusties, frozen waffles. My God. You can get them at Costco. They're fucking delicious. They're like golden mountains with caverns of pure goodness. And you just got to pour that syrup lava all over it. It's like a, like a breakfast volcano. Um... So, yeah, we usually do that. And then 
then I got to make my lunch and, and do the shindig. And she's got a play coming up, so I got to get her to school early for that. So after that mess, um, I've got to get into my studio to put in an hour, one solid hour of work. Just because you got to seize the time you got. And uh, so I'm in my studio and nearing the end of my hour. And nature calls. It's uh, it's time to take a shit. I am a, I am a clockwork machine of excrement satisfaction. Does that make sense? No, I'm I'm a fairly healthy dude. I I, I watch what I eat for the most part. I work out regularly, and I take fiber three times a day. So. I'm I'm proud of my my laboratory accomplishments. So it's you know it's time. It's I'm like a I'm like a machine. There's like a internal alarms that go off, and I and I'm and I'm heading. So I I gather my book. I don't know about you, but uh, it's nice to have a little distraction when you're in there. So you're not just focused on on the act at hand. Because it's hard to look yourself in the mirror after that. So I usually bring a book in, something to look at, usually some artwork. Something to inspire me for the day. And um, now, mind you, my head is so far up my ass. I, I have a terrible, terrible condition. It's been diagnosed. It's it's fairly common. A lot of people have it. It's not too serious. But it's the the doctors call it cranial sphincteritis. Uh, but the layman's term is hadupus. Um, so, with a busy morning and deadlines waiting and school shit needing attending and children, I my my hadupus is just out of control, and that's part of why I'm trying to cut out one of my jobs because I just can't do it. But you know this because I complain to you. You're like my little security blanket. I just, I like to complain to you. And you taste salty from all the tears. So I, uh, yeah, so I, I'm, he- all right, so my head's up my ass. We've, we've established that. And that's, that should come as no surprise to anyone. And as I close my door to my studio and hear it click, I realize my keys are not in my pocket. And I look behind me through the the little glass window my studio has. And there, as if a beaming angelic light had landed upon my desk, were my keys shining in that light. And I was locked out. Now, it's nearing the end of the hour, and I've got to get to school. But first, remember why the motivation for leaving the studio. We're, 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 uh, we're going from code brown to code red at this point, so that needs to be dealt with first. So the book comes with me, but it doesn't get looked at because already my head is, is locked on to something and my anxiety starting to build. And I'm coming up, trying to figure out solutions. My, my studio's in an office building. 
and the owner isn't in very often and the building manager isn't in very often. So, of course, there's no one here to help me. So uh, I, I start the phone calls. The owner is 20 minutes away, but I got to leave sooner than that. So that's not going to help. And the manager is out on a real estate deal and won't be until noon. So that won't help. I tried credit cards. I tried uh, business cards. My handy-dandy ink pulp audio cards that are thick were not strong enough to break me in. Um, and, and I'm really pissed at this point. At, at myself, I'm pissed off at life. Well, um, um, yeah, yeah, that's a good way of putting it. I'm pissed off at my situation. I have too much going on. I can't keep a single thought in my head. And it's it's just too much. And, and it's irrational of me to, to have this thought, I understand. But it's, it is pretty much true. But to get angry about it is kind of childish. But uh, that's me. The little five-year-old Sean. So I'm getting heated and solution time. I need I need solutions. So the first thing I do is call down to school and have Jackie, Jackie Lewis. You may know her work from Playball on Oni and various other projects coming out. Uh, she has office hours, so I know she can she can cover my class until I get there. So I do that. That's done. I call my wife to drive a key up to me, a spare car key. So now I have the option of going to school, but my my bag with all the shit I need for school is in the in the studio. So I'm not going to leave just yet. I'm going to figure this out. But I'm not this rational. I'm just stubborn. And so she comes and drops it off. Now, she wakes up to a massive bladder infection and just got back from the doctors in a lot of pain. And am I sympathetic? Hell no. Not me. I'm an asshole about it because I'm pissed off because I'm the center of the goddamn universe and I have a problem. I'm not mean to her. And I do ask if she's feeling okay. But I'm, I, I'm, I'm not happy with myself and how I handle things. So... I get in my car and I'm like, well, I might just have to wait till noon when they can let me in because I can't go to school without my bag. I'm, I have a lot planned uh, that day and, and I have to get to it. And then if I just go to school, well, then everything's locked in my studio. When am I going to ever, when am I going to get that back? It's not going to be till the next day around noon. So there's that. So I decide to head home and sit on my couch and stew in my anger like a like a gumbo of rotten emotions and as i pull up the manager calls me and says he just remembered that there are keys to the offices in the tech room where all the internet and phones are all routed and wired which is normally locked but today happens to be open so this is a good thing but i don't i don't you know so uh, I'm looking at the darkness and everything, not the light. But this is this is there's hope and there's chance. So I turn around and go right back, boom, go back in. Doors open. There's the little lockbox for all the keys to the office, and I go to open it, but it's locked. Fuck! 
I call. There's no key. Well, it should be right there. Well, it's not. Look around. Look around. Okay, get a phone. Look around. Aha, I find it. Someone put it somewhere else. Unlock it and da-ding, I'm in my office. So then here's what's on my mind. Every now and then, I get a, a wild hair up my ass. And it, this usually stems from lack of sleep or a legitimate need to to try something new with my art. And I feel like everything I'm doing is is wrong and I need to change it around. The reality of the situation is I'm about to start a new project, a big project, the biggest of my career, probably the best project of my career thus far. And it's it's going to be very creatively and personally fulfilling. And I'm thinking I would like to get back to traditional inks because I miss that. But I'd also like to let go. I, everything in my process of, of drawing comics is, is about control. And I'd like to let a lot of that go so that on the final page, I'm still still creating. It's not just planning and executing, but just playing. I want more playing. I want to be looser. That's it. But of course, in my head, this is a major life decision. It's really not. And now that I'm a little more well-rested, I'm just looking forward to this, but not yesterday. No, no. I spent the entire car ride home going through my head. How am I going to do this? Why am I going to do this? Is this what I should do? Maybe I shouldn't do it. Maybe I should do it. And it's the second guessing of every thought in my head was, was like champion level self-doubt. It, it was, it was really something to behold. So I get to school and I am at my, I have no idea how I got there because in my head I was just arguing with myself the whole way down. And uh, so I get to school, but I'm late now, so I've got to get in. Now we missed an entire week last week because of the snowstorms. So I've got to make up for an entire week this week and keep us on track. So once I get in the classroom, it's mayhem. I've got to get everything going, demonstrations, critiques, blah, 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 blah. So I get in two classes back to back, knock that shit out, do all that, and I'm just worn out. And as I'm leaving school, I notice it's raining outside. And if there's anything that makes Atlanta traffic come to a halt, it's rain. I don't know why, but that's how it is. So my normal half-hour commute home becomes an hour and a half. Now, it was a long day. So, uh, okay, so uh, I'm, my, my normal Tuesday night is get home at about 5.30, throw down a little dinner, and get to my yoga class, which I desperately need to calm my mind at this point because my mind won't shut up about this, this choice I'm making. I know what I have to do, and I know that it's, I've got to do it. i just got to trust myself. But no, 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 in, my, my, in the back of my head, it's just, Sean, you can't do that. You are no good. It's going to suck. You suck. Don't waste your time. 
keep doing what you're doing. It's not great. It's just, it's just the shit you do. So I've got that to contend with this whole time. So going to yoga usually calms that down. And so I get home late, and on the way home, my wife needs some cranberry juice, which I'll, I'll stop and get. So I get home with it with five minutes to spare for yoga, but I'm starving, so I have to eat. So, okay, I'm not going to go to yoga tonight. The, fuck it. And, and that always puts me in a good mood. Well, if you really want to make me happy, throw a wrench in my program. I'm really good with change. Well, I'm 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 good with big change, but I'm really good with things getting ruining my schedule. As he pushes up his glasses, schedules are everything to me. So by now it's it's evening, and, and I'm just I've had it. I am so fried from the day emotionally. And uh, my wife can see it all over me. She's being very nice and kind. And I'm not being an asshole to anyone in the house. But I've just had it. And now it's it's time to pick up my daughter from her after-school play rehearsal. So I say I'll go do it. So I get there, and, and it lets out 15 minutes late, which, which is wonderful. Uh, I'm just a beacon of patience. I, I am a Buddhist on a mountain. I am a rock on the ocean floor. I am just so patient. So I'm pacing out inside of the uh, outside of the the um, performance arts center while it's raining. But I think that there's actual steam coming off me every time a drop hits me. It just tss, dries immediately. I'm f- I'm just I've had it. So. Out comes my daughter without her jacket on. It's cold. And I start to go into, what are you doing without a jacket on? And I notice her arm is at a right angle. Like, just normal right angle. She's like, Dad, I can't straighten my arm. I fell. And I can't straighten my arm. So we get into it. Okay, now this is... My my internal alarms are starting to, to, to go off. Not huge, but but just all hands on deck. We may have a situation here. So, all right, it's it's dark out, it's cold out, I want to get her in the car, I get the light on, I can't see it that well. She can't straighten it, she feels like something's going to pop if she straightens it. Uh, she's, she's in a little bit of pain, it's when she tries to move it when there's a lot of pain. And of course I have to drive her friend home, and there's this is a story. For another day, it's just, I don't, I'm afraid that tangent will take me too far away. But this, her her friend is, drives me a little crazy, but she's a product of her environment. It's not her fault. Her mother is a real piece of work. We'll get into that another time. Where when you have kids and they have friends, you, you, you learn a lot about people and you find yourself in some interesting situations and uh, I've got a lot of those with this person. So uh, now um, my, my stress is really high right now. And I just want to... Now I have to take this girl home because her mom doesn't have a car. It got repossessed because she got fired from her job because she can't get along with anyone. But it's uh, everyone else's fault. It's never her own. Oh, did I say I wouldn't go on a tangent? 
I digress. So I got to take her home, and then I'm going to take Zoe to my mom's. My mom was a nurse, so we usually have her look at things before we do anything. Because an emergency room visit could be a four-hour excursion at least if it's if it's crowded and it's already 8 o'clock at night and I need to figure out if this is something we can wait until morning or if this needs direct involvement. So I'm stressed out and someone cuts me off. So I go, Jesus Christ. And then little Miss Princess in the back seat leans over to my daughter. That's offensive. And then my daughter, Dad, you just offended her. Now, I, I, have, I have to apologize. Well, I don't have to. I choose to in a very sarcastic way because that's how I roll. So with my teeth gritted, I say, I'm sorry. Like, it's a question. Like, I'm fucking Jewish. All right? I'm allowed to do that. You might not be able to be, but I can. I have license. He, he was on my team. I can, you know, he's, to me, that's not God. So I'm not even religious, but I don't care. Whatever. I'm not going to go off on that again. So I apologize reluctantly, sarcastically, in the form of a question. I'm sorry? Whatever. Drop the little bitch off. Oh, did I say that? Okay. I dropped the sweet little cunt off. Oh, did I say that? I drop her off. And I head to my mom's with my daughter. And we're looking at it. And the fact that she can't straighten it, now that you know, a little time is set in, logic is like, this needs to be looked at. Because if you wait, something could set, and then that could be worse in the morning. If this is a tendon issue, it's in her elbow. Um, that may require surgery. You don't want to let that wait. I don't know what it is. So uh, I, I'm just handling everything so well. So emergency room, but where do I go? So I get out my insurance call and I call. Sorry, our office is closed right now. You may reach us between the hours of fuck you and fuck off. Uh, that that's That's nice. It's great to pay for this insurance that... that fucking closes when you have to have an emergency room visit. So now I have to go to the internet, which normally isn't a problem, but with this insurance, their website, I mean, every time I have to go through this website, I think I lose a year of my life. Just to stress. I think my heart is just like, oh, there's another one. Let's put that over here with the rest of them, and when this pile gets big enough, we're going to stop. So I start navigating the website. I'm on the phone with my wife, who's also a nervous wreck because she hasn't even seen my daughter and doesn't know what's going on, and we're trying to figure this out. And I figure there's an emergency room that's close to me and one that's not terribly far, but the one that's close to me is really new and nice and pleasant, and I know it and I trust it. And that's where I want to go, but I find out that that's not where I can go, so I go to the other one. So... My daughter, as I'm stressing out through all this, is talking to my parents. And this it's getting a little hard to talk about this right now. She 
starts getting very upset, not because she's in pain. She's worried she's going to miss being in the play, which is tomorrow night. No, two days from now. So now she's crying, and I just feel awful. But she's not crying because of the injury. This is my daughter. The injury didn't upset her. It's the fact that she won't be able to participate in something creative. That's my daughter. So she's crying. So now it's time. It's, it's like now my inner, inner monologue, internal monologue, is, is now the voice of reason. All right, Sean. Buckle the fuck up. She needs you right now. You got to get your act together, soldier. And, and straighten the situation out. So, uh, I, I'm good at this. I can flip a switch. When I, when I need to, I can flip the fucking switch. I can go from nervous, anxiety, scaredy boy to fucking charging the troops in the front line. So, I just bend down. I'm like, look, 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 look. Hold on. Just hold on. There's no reason you will not be in this play on Friday. You're, you're, at worst, you're going to have a cast. You play an orphan in the orphanage. Orphans must have hurt themselves. We'll dress up the cast. The minute I say this, and I know her, the minute I say we'll dress up the cast, light bulbs pop off in her eyes. And she's in. Tears stop. What do you mean? We'll dress it up. You know, put rags on it. It's like you're an orphan who hurt herself, but you weren't able to go to the hospital, so they just bandaged it up with rags they had. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then she starts contributing to the creative conversation. So I've got her locked in now. I'm like, all right, now we're going to have an adventure. And that's the one thing I can always do with the kids. If we really need to do something and everyone's in a sour mood, I can say, let's make it an adventure. And normally my daughter hops immediately on board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And then my, my son reluctantly follows. He's a little curmudgeon. So I say, we're going to go to the emergency room. We're going to have an adventure, me and you. Let's go. Okay, so she's, she's fine. And I'm in full dad mode. Walking out to the car, opening the door, holding her jacket over her because she can't put her arm through the sleeve, all that jazz. Go to the emergency room, check in, sit down. She's nervous that it's dislocated, which is what I thought it was because she said if she goes to straighten it, it feels like it's going to pop. And she's like, what do they do if it's dislocated? It's like, oh, it's awesome. They just pop it back in and you're good to go. And she understands that to mean pain. Lots of pain excruciating pain she'd rather it be broken because they won't have to pop it back into place just like I'm popping my peas in this fucking microphone so we're just debating this and they call us back and she's just super sweet to everyone and everyone in the emergency room is great and the doctor comes in and he looks at it, he moves it around it's very painful I, I you know, I was trying to, ju I was just telling Zoe, let the doctor do his thing, and he's just trying to help you, but I think he was a little rough. I think he was, I mean, I get it, you're in an emergency room, and but still, it's a little girl, just take it down a notch. 
So they then they x-ray it and they come back and they say it looks like it's broken at the condyle of the radius in the elbow. Um, we can't say for certain because why would they be able to be? I mean, I'm just, uh, Lord knows how much I'm paying for this visit. So it's, it's shoddy guesswork. They, uh, they bandage it up with what they call a splint, but which is basically a half cast. It doesn't go all the way around the arm. It just goes on like the bottom half of the arm. And then they wrap an ace bandage and sling it. And they say, go see your orthopedist in a couple days. She can be in the play. All is good. And it's about 11 o'clock at night now. I'm done with the day. My wife's done with the day. My phone died when we were in there. So she's panicking because she can't get in touch with me. Get in the car, call her, run away home. Arms most likely broken. Day over. She can still be in the play. Blah, blah, blah. And my wife is like, you have had a day. I say, yeah, I have. Get off the phone. And a few minutes later, and this is the lesson. This is where I'm going with this. My daughter goes, well, we got to have some good daddy-daughter time in. And that's... That 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 hit me. First off, it speaks volumes of who she is and how she sees the world, the the eternal optimist. In that, in in what I would describe as a tragic moment, she finds something special, and it made me feel a lot better. And I always talk about being in the moment. And that pulled me right into the moment. So she taught me something yesterday. It was a it was a good lesson. And I am sorry she hurt herself, but she did teach me something. Okay, dry your eyes, little people. All right, so let's get into this. Uh, we got Mark and I, round two, the trip home from Heroes Con. And this was a particularly exciting episode. You'll see why. It's pretty funny. We, uh, we do stop for fireworks. And uh, we'll talk about it in there. It's good stuff. Enjoy it, people. Everybody, it's Wacky 105.7 coming at you in the morning. It's uh, Eggman and Flip Flop brought to you by Wacky Waving Inflatable Arm Flailing Two Men.com for all your Wacky Waving Inflatable Arm Flailing Two Men needs. Eggman, how you doing? I'm doing wonderful this morning. How was your weekend? Tell me about it. No, man, I had so many bitches this weekend this year. Oh, I know you did. I know you did. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where that came from. <laughs> that was awesome. Well, welcome back to Ink Pulp Audio. I'm here with Mark Brooks again. We're on the ride home. Part two! The uh, post-con discussion. Uh, so, And we'll get back into your story, too, about Lisa. You want to get into Lisa coming into your life first and then going in, or you want to do con stuff first? Um, I don't know, man. Let's play it by ear, whatever you want to do. All right, well, you were saying, the, when we left off... Uh, that's when you met Lisa, and I, I kept saying I, I want to talk about Lisa. I want to talk mm-hmm. about Lisa. 
Um, so tell us a little bit about the story of Lisa, and then we'll get into her involvement in your career and all that stuff. Okay. Well, um, where we last we left off, I think I, I had met Lisa at a dance club in right, Atlanta. Right, when I was a dancing man. Right, I'm a dancing man. And, uh, yeah, I, I ended up, my friend ended up hooking up with her best friend, and we went back to her best friend's apartment because she lived in Atlanta at the time. Not Lisa, her best friend did. And um, they ended up doing what they, they do. And Lisa and I ended up sit, just sitting up in the living room talking till like, 6 in the morning. Um, How old were you? I was 21. Okay. Um, and she was 21. So, uh, so yeah, we ended up talking like, 6 in the morning. We finally fell asleep. I think we might have... You know, made out a little bit, but that was that was it. And um, that's a good sign. <clears throat> yeah, very good sign. Well, she wouldn't give it up. I, mean, don't, I, I tried. I mean. Of course, of course, you're gonna yeah, try. We're yeah. all gonna try. But the fact that she didn't's a good sign. Yeah, totally. So, um, yeah, I went back to Athens the next day. Saw her on the road driving back to Athens, and uh, oh, and they're shelling fireworks. Oh, all right, guys, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna break. We need fireworks for Fourth of July. All right, sorry, that was a quick little stop there. <laughs> we, we had to We had to get fireworks We're loaded for bear now This car is incredibly flammable at this point We are a, we are a high speed moving bomb <laughs> At this point <laughs> it's, Every year I, on the way home I always say I'm going to stop and get fireworks Because the show ends not far from 4th of July And I never did And last year I did And I got back And it was a huge hit with the kids So this year we decided to do it again but last year I went to Shel- uh, to Phantom Fireworks, which was mediocre, but we just went to Sheldon Fireworks, which was fucking It's amazing. a warehouse. It's ridiculous. And, uh, yeah, if we get stopped in, in, in Georgia, uh, we're going to jail for the amount of stuff we have in our car right now. Yeah. Uh, it's not a good thing. But when, <laughs> when I get inside a fireworks store... Oh, this guy. <laughs> you do. I get like I'm like five. I get so excited. <laughs> the giddiness in Sean's voice. Wow. I, I I remember when we were kids. We fireworks were just the most amazing thing ever. And I remember my friends. I don't know how they did this. They had catalogs, and I remember this is why I learned the term bulk mm-hmm. because they had like packs, the price per pack, and then the bulk price. And their older brothers would order this shit, and we'd just get drums of fireworks. Like the Costco of firework catalogs. Yeah, exactly. But I don't know. I get fucking giddy as hell, and uh, I'm five. It's, <laughs> it's a, what a little explosive thing can do. Like the, the, you know, this could t- dovetail back into our wives thing, because they just don't understand. Right. When, right. Every year I threatened to come home with them, my wife was like, do not. And then last year I did, and, and she started to take... The, the, the mid-ground stance of I do not approve of this but I understand your need to do this <laughs> the male need to set things on fire right and explode and then so I, I took the kids outside to do it of course five minutes later she's out there for the reason Mark explained to me well no to explain what happens what they do is it's classic that they, every time I, fine, go do it. I'm not coming out. Right. I, I don't want to be a part of it. Right. I don't approve of it, but I understand you got to do it. But then you take her her, her brood, her right. children out with you. Take the little innocent ones out. And, and then she thinks, wait, now the pyromaniac is outside with my children. Exactly. <laughs> and she has to come out. And, and then it becomes a protection thing. And I don't know about Lisa, but after about five minutes, 
Steph is like, okay, is that enough? Are we done yet? Yeah. Like, get, we're just getting warmed up. Right. <laughs> I lit off a, a whole um, string of, of lady fingers last year. It's probably a hundred. So it's about three minutes of explosions. But they're popping off so frequently, and we're a good ten yards from them, that little bits of shrapnel, it's just paper, were, were like hitting us every now and then. And that's when my wife said, I'm going inside. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being hit by shrapnel. And, and you gotta you break them in with the smoke bombs. Because mm-hmm. they see that, they're like, oh, that's nothing. That's actually kind of cool. It's just yeah. colored smoke. And then a couple of sparklers right. who ease them in. Right. And then you brust out the candles. Right. <laughs> they're usually gone before the candles come Balls out. Balls of fire <laughs> flying <laughs> through the air. <laughs> <laughs> Whistling rockets. Now, I'll tell you a story. Then we'll get back to the discussion. But I um, I had gotten this before Jack was born, and we had I had stopped. Got, I, just, I love Roman candles, and yeah. I'd gotten these Roman candles, and it was uh, it was one of those rare Fourth of July when Lisa and I were just home alone, just you know just by ourselves, and, right. and I thought I, I'm going to go light some fireworks by myself, or I'll come out with me. We're going to go we're going to do some Roman candles just right. real fast, and she's under protest, you know, arms folded, fine, and we go outside, and I light this thing, and it doesn't go off, and I'm kind of shaking, and it's not going off, oh, and then I then I ang- I go well I guess it's a dud, and I angle it down. And she's standing about 20 feet from me, and the thing fires, and the first ball whizzes by her ear by about two inches. <laughs> and she just looks at me and does that wide-eyed, tight-lipped look. That fury look. Turns 180 degrees and marches inside. <laughs> and then you have to stand out there holding the right. candle while it's finishing. She still brings that up. And catch the rat. Oh, she, she still brings it up. In fact, when I bring this home, she's going to go, Remember the Roman candle? <laughs> Yeah, luckily nothing too bad and has happened. So, although, I, and you get that, it's such a rush. You get the panic after you light it. Mm-hmm. Of like, get the fuck away, <laughs> and your adrenaline's pumping, and then you're anticipating, is this, have I gone over the edge with this one? Is this one going to be a problem? Because there's no turning back. <laughs> and then it starts to go off, and then you're like, all right, this is safe. But the best one's the one where you're, you're riding that line like, this could go bad right. any second. <laughs> you know, it makes you think that in the war, the guy on the front line who has the, the tube on the ground right. that drops the, the, the grenade in and then right. they holds his ears, that's got to be at least the most fun. Yeah. <laughs> that's got to be the closest to launching fireworks at home, right? Yeah, war is fun. Yeah, yeah war is a hoot. <laughs> All right, so uh, we're riding the high right now. Yeah, we really are. All right, so getting back to, um, to Lisa. Oh, okay, yeah, so... Uh, so yeah, I, I we, we met. I we, we started dating in Athens. Finally got her to give it up, and uh, and we moved in together within like four months of, of meeting. And, Did um, you know pretty immediately that this was the one? Yeah, I mean, I really thought so. That you know, because I, I like I told you in the last one, I had my heart had been broken, and I had gone on what I like to um, lovingly refer to as a pussy tear. Right, yeah, you have to do that. I went nuts. Yeah, I did that when I was lifeguarding that summer. Yeah, and I just, I, I didn't really like, 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 you know, any of the girls. It was just, it was almost like revenge on the female right. species. I'm not saying it was right. Right. But, yeah, you, you know. You gotta hate fuck. For yeah, a for a little you, bit. You gotta get it out. And actually, oddly enough, when I went to Masquerade that night, the, again, the dance club, uh, the club. Um, in the club. Up in the club. Uh, I actually was there to meet with another girl. The night you met Lisa. Yeah, and um, and I did meet the other girl, and she was upstairs, and 
I met Lisa and ended up not even telling the other girl I was leaving. It just took off with Lisa and her friend and my buddy. All right. So uh, there, there was a connection. Yeah, yeah. I really felt like there was something there. So, um, so yeah, we moved in together, and I was, again, still kind of aimless. I uh, worked a, a lot of part-time jobs, and uh, Lisa was going to school at UGA and was pretty much supporting us with her support her student loans. Which she likes to still bring up to me. Of course. But I always say, you know, this is what I always say to her, though. Because she's like, I supported you all those years when I was in school with my student loans. And I say, yeah, who's paying those student loans now? Exactly. I say, so we're even. You can't use that against me. Yeah. But she will. She'll <laughs> oh, she'll still so. continue to do it. See, I felt like, like I, when I first met Steph, I, I mean, I just immediately was like... I want to get to know this girl. Mm-hmm. But uh, we developed a friendship pretty quickly, and, and I still give her shit about this. She wasn't sexually interested in me immediately. Uh, who would be? Right. Well, I, I don't blame her. <laughs> I, don't, I don't blame her. Um, but um, we, we, cre- we, we bonded pretty deeply, pretty fast, but she didn't want to date me. And... Uh, Why? I, she, she wasn't attracted to me not that she was unattracted she just wasn't attracted to me see guys don't understand that no no that and that, I, I still give her shit about that because I'm like here's what happened so I was infatuated with her and she was dating around a lot so and and our rooms right next to each other in the dorms so I just had to live through this torturous era Acting like you were friends. Well, we were very close friends. She knew I wanted to be with her, but she was she had just gotten out of a really bad relationship, like two weeks before. No, no, a really good relationship. Two weeks before we met, her and her long-term boyfriend had broken up. I had lost my long-term girlfriend at the beginning of the summer, and this was fall when school started when we met. Mm-hmm. So I had gone through my grief... And then I was okay. So she was kind of, I think, getting over the boyfriend thing by dating around. So this went on for a few months. And she ended up dating a good friend of mine. It, it sucked. It was see, really hard. We had this discussion with, and I went back and forth on my on my Facebook page. I don't know if you read this or not. When I said, um, yeah, I was, again, one of those nights when I was kind of bored. I uh, put a Facebook status update up that said, Tonight's discussion, men and women can't be friends. Yeah, I did see that. <laughs> and, uh, and and what you're talking about with your wife is a perfect example because she's like, oh, this guy's a great friend. If you ask any woman, can yeah. a man and woman be friends? They'll say, yes, of course they can. If you ask any guy, they're like, uh, uh, no. There's, there's a motive. There's a motive. And and there was a motive, like you said right there, there was a motive for you. Right, You know. Right. So here I was bonding with her very deeply to the point where she's saying, one day we'll be married. But I guess at some point there was a realization that I really want to spend my life with him, but just not right now. Right. So she's putting me through hell while I'm watching her date around. And then something happened where the table started turning, where then I started dating a bunch of girls. And she was, I remember she came to my room, like after me basically realizing this is never going to happen. She came to my room and was like, okay, I'm ready to be with you now. <laughs> and I was like, who the fuck are you? It's like, who the fuck do you think you That's are? What you've just put me through. Fuck you. And then I dated around while she sat and watched and I put her through hell. And we both would say to each other, one day all this bullshit will be over. 
and we'll be together for our life. Wow. We knew this. So that's why I was asking you if you knew she was the one, because I did know Steph was the one, and she did know I was the one, but we had to go through this year of just torturing each other because we knew once we got into the relationship, that was probably our last relationship that we'd ever have. Okay, okay. I can see that. So then we dated pretty seriously, but then my senior year, I think I got a little antsy. It was like, well, if this, I'm, you know, I'm, this is my last year of college, and if this is it, well, maybe I want to get rid of some of this... <laughs> these urges. Let's call it energy. Right, energy. <laughs> and that's then that's when I ended up lifeguarding that summer. We broke up and it was really hard. Yeah. Um, Pussy tear. I played really cold and she was really broken. And yeah, I just went nuts. And uh, and I remember the uh, it was right at the end of college, like the last weekend of partying before graduation. I was at a party and I had dated a lot of girls at once and they, they were just all crazy mm-hmm. and uh, I, I dated this this one chick who's in my photography class and she was older and she was like this punk rock chick and for her photography final to to kind of gain my interest she did a self shoot of her seducing a lamppost naked yeah she did and she put that up <laughs> for the class that was the critique so that, of course, piqued my interest. But of she course. Was nuts. She's she not. Well, that's the thing. The nut, the, the nuts ones, they're not the ones you ever want to marry. They're not, not the ones you ever want to, you know, spend long-term life with. But, boy, they're fun for a few weeks. Right, right. Oh, and then my it gets, goodness. And then it's like, then it becomes a problem. Yeah. So I reached that point where I had enough of that. I was like, they're all crazy. And my buddy was like, you just need to go back to Steph. She's not, she was a good one. Mm-hmm. And the party happened to be in her uh, apartment complex. So I just walked out of the party and walked up to her door. It was probably 2 in the morning. And uh, just knocked on her door, and she was shocked to see me. You hadn't seen her in months? I mean, I'd see her... The thing was, we had registered to take classes together. Right. So we had classes together. So we were kind of rebuilding a friendship in the class. Right. Um, but she was very quickly wanting to get back together, and I was very firmly holding my ground about not doing that. So she was just shocked to see me show up. And uh, Sounds like a lot of self-torture between the two of you. Yeah, yeah, we put each other through It's very, very Ross and Rachel of you. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. So uh, then that night, we did something we shouldn't have done, and then we took it slow after that night. Right. And I, I had made plans to live at the beach on, in, on the Jersey Shore for the summer, so we were able to slowly rebuild where she'd come up with her friends like every, like maybe twice a month. So then by the time I was done with the summer and moved back to, to Maryland, we were back together. But it was great. She'd show up with her friends at me and my friend's house and all my friends got laid because all the friends she bought up right. were down. And that's the, the glory of youth. Oh my God. It's just, you, you never know. You'll be at a party and suddenly you're having sex. That doesn't happen in your 30s. That only happens in your early 20s. You know what, though? I mean, we don't know this, but it's it's like people I know that are in their 30s and are, and are dating, mm-hmm. you have sex the first night. It's like, we're not playing games now. We're old enough to say... Well, no, I, ag- I agree, but there's no there's no 
real stranger sex. Like you'll you can you can actually get stranger sex in your yeah, early twenties, right. especially in college. You'll be right. at a party and meet a girl. Break. Yeah. Like I can't even name the girls at this point. I don't even know. I, there are many girls. I mean, I hate to, it sounds horrible, but there are many girls like spring break situations yeah. or some college party that I can't remember their name, and I, I guarantee they can't remember mine either. So sure, it's, it's a sure. mutual, you know. It's it, a, it is me. Yeah. You know, but that's just to cover the rape. Yeah. Oh shit! <laughs> wow, we are going to a whole dark area now. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, that, that that's that's what's great about college, you know, and it's it's obviously consensual and and it, I don't know, it's just a really cool, fun time. But yeah, yeah but but I'd gotten it out of the way, I think, when I met Lisa, and I just, you know, I, I I don't know necessarily that I knew she was the one. I just knew that I just thought she was a really really cool chick, and I tell you what, it was that really made me dig her. And to this day, I still say this about her. She is the smartest woman, and I dare say the smartest person I've ever met. And on a personality Lisa. level. Lisa. Yeah. Because, I mean, wait, I'm sure there are people smarter, like physicists and things like that. But right, just right. as a, in, in, in life, she's incredibly intelligent. She's super-duper well-spoken. She's great in front of people. She's charming as yeah. hell. Lisa is wonderful. Yeah, and everyone who knows Lisa in comics loves Lisa. Oh, they like her more than me. I'm fully convinced wonderful. of that. You know, so yeah, so when we, you know, I'll, I'll skip to other part where you know we moved to Atlanta once she graduated, got an apartment, I got a job, I got, got a, we had to wear a suit and tie every day. We got married, spent a couple of weeks in Europe, came back, and we lived in that apartment in Atlanta for six or seven years, and then we bought our first house. And we 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 closed on the house, and we and two weeks later, nine eleven happened. Oh god! Yeah. Um. So the housing market went to shit. Yeah. yeah. Um. And this is how cool my wife is. I mean, this is to, this is the one story. I don't care what she does to me from here on out. I go back to this story as she's a good good person. We bought our new house. She had a, a good job. You know, not this is the house you're living in now? No, no, okay. this house before that. Okay. She, uh, she had a good job. I had a pretty good job. She was, we were matched in salary. Uh-huh. And had our, now had a mortgage payment and all that. We had bought a new car. Um, and I sat down with her because I was starting to get some indie work in comics. Okay. Um, what was your job? I worked at, uh, I was a supervisor for customer service at Nextel. Okay. Um, oh, so you had a real desk job. I had a desk job. I was oh, wow. I, had, I, didn't know that. I had 13 people underneath me. I had a decent job. I mean, you know, I, I wow. Especially for someone with no, you know, no college degree, I had a decent job. Uh-huh. But comics were starting to do something. I was actually had a little bit of published work. Uh-huh. Um, Dreamwave uh, at the time it was doing Transformers before Patley lost his mind. Um, was uh, was doing really well, and uh-huh. I was getting work with Dreamwave and Devils Do and and the work was getting more and more. And so I sat down with Lisa. So you were doing work at night? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I sat down with Lisa one night, and we had been, I'd been hitting about this, but I sat down and I said, okay, here's what I need from you. And I'm nervous as hell about this conversation because my wife is very focused on taking care of shit. Right. I don't, she doesn't like to worry about money. She doesn't like right. to worry she's about. She's a planner. She's a planner. She, everything is like, I want to know everything is taken care Play of. Play it safe. Yes. Yeah. You know, so I sat down with her and I said, okay, here's the deal. And I've been thinking about this a lot. I said, 
I am not making enough money in comics right now. In a lot of ways, I, I'm I, the money I spend to go to cons and things like that. I'm basically breaking even with the money I'm making in comics. Right. But if I want to do this for a living, I have to dedicate all my time to this. I can't draw at night on the weekends. It's not good for our relationship. It's not good for me physically. Right. You know, it, 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 I'm exhausted constantly. I'm in touch with those feelings. Yeah. <laughs> so I said, I need you to allow me to quit my job. I need you to be willing to support us while I do this. And and we talked about it and we agreed that I would I got 2 years. That's fucking awesome. It's amazing. She said you can quit your job. I can pay our mortgage. We're not going to be able to save a dime. And we're going to have to like watch our money, but what I make, I can we could pay our we would borrow a car we all buy all our cars in cash so we had no car payment okay oh that's great we always insist on that we, we don't do car payments oh that's awesome so all we had was our mortgage and our bills for the house and she agreed that you know what she made could cover that and then also cover food and all that and us being able to go see a movie every once in a while and I had two years and she said at the end of that two years if you are not making as much as I am or more you have to go back to work Wow. You gotta put that tie back on. But I'll give you the two years and I won't give you shit during that two years as long as you are progressing in that two years. And basically, you know, shook on it and I put my, my at the end of the week, I put my two weeks notice in and that was it. And I was on my way. And I worked my ass off for two years and just about, probably about a year and eight months, I got my first Marvel contract. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's funny how when you just take the leap, you build your parachute on the way down, and it just happens. Yeah. It's well, almost like sometimes you have to, you have to take the leap in order for it to happen. Well, you got to kick that chair out from underneath you, right? Because it's comfort makes us, you know, stagnant, and you get comfortable, and you don't, you don't feel like you want to take that chance because taking a chance is fucking terrifying. Right. And I was terrified. I mean, I really was. I didn't know sure, what was going to happen. And, um, the th- and the hard thing, and what we were talking about going to the cons on the way up, is that, that terror of, like, okay, I have a good job now, but this is over in four months. Then what? Mm-hmm. That, that shit is really hard to, to start to realize, well, I'll be, I'll be fine when this job is over because I will have another one even though I don't know it yet. Right. That's a hard thing to adapt to. It is. Well, we're, we're constantly in a state of flux because, like we said, talking all the way up here, you don't, you don't know when that next job is coming or if and, and how much, and, and you don't know when it's going to end because the, 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 hard, the hard reality when it comes to working for a company like Marvel or DC is that no one retires from Marvel or DC. Yeah, you know... You're shown the door eventually, you know? Right, right. This is, this is something really, really interesting good to talk about. I have noticed recently, I've been at a few shows with some, some I, I hate to use the word, but old-timers. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about people like Walt Simonson who have been around for a long time and are still thriving. I'm talking about people who had had notoriety a thriving in the career. 70s mm-hmm. and are now just struggling for scraps. And you see them, like I saw um, at a con recently, a husband and wife, much older, was, was a big name creator in the 60s and 70s and they're just struggling to get by they, and they're, he's still having to hustle for work mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if he had uh, any money tucked away um, 
I don't know what they do for insurance, but it was just like, wow, man, that's a hard place to be. And yeah, it's just, it's really made me think about making both of my careers work together. On one hand, I feel like maybe I'm being too safe and cautious. On the other hand, I think, well, maybe I'm being smart. Well, when you have a family, that you have to ride that line between taking chances and and what, making sure that you're taking care of yourself and your family. Right. Like, Lisa, I'm, that's this one thing, I, you're going back to wives, this is why I love Lisa so much, because like we said, she's a planner. Right. She wants to be taken care of. We, we save like mad because of her. That's great. Yeah, so I know that, like... Yeah, what do they say? That you need to have, like, a, a year's salary? I've got three. Oh, wow. You know, saved up. So, I mean, if, if I were to get... But that's know, not just... Is that just in a savings account, or you've got it invested in stuff? We have invested. Good. We have CDs, we have investments, and we have a savings Great. account, and Great. she has a 401k, and... I mean, we just have it spread around, but it's... If, 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 if work dried up completely tomorrow, I'd be okay for at least a year or two. Um... But obviously, I don't want that. The, the thing is, you sure. you want to stay. You got to stay scared and hungry a little bit. Yeah. Like at all times, because the minute you get complacent, you you, you know, fans' tastes change. Yeah. New generations come along, and Absolutely. if and you've got to adapt, you have to adapt. And if you don't, then. But again, to yeah. Walt Simonson, there's a man who's constantly growing and adapting, and, mm-hmm. and he's still as as exciting to see him his work as ever. Art Adams is very yeah, similar oh to that. Yeah, oh my God. It, there's a guy that, when I was younger, was like the pinnacle of badass mm-hmm. comic book artist. And he is 50 times the artist today. He still is growing. Right. It's fucking fascinating. It's, it's nuts. When, but, uh, you know, but speaking of wives, a lot of his success, the way he stayed relevant for two reasons. Number one, because of his art, right. obviously. But there's not as much of it out there. He's mostly a cover artist now. He right. does some he does sequentials every, every now and then. But he's got Joyce Chen, yeah, who is who is just a beast when it comes to managing his career. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and she's she's great at it. And through through her, he stays even more relevant. Huh. I had no idea about that. Yeah. You there, know. There's a there are some creators I know. The thing about comics is it's such an absorbing. Job, like like consuming job, time wise, mental, mentally consuming, physically consuming. That there, there's some people who are lucky that they have a wife that can pick up, take some of that off. Like, uh, don't worry about the bills. I'll make sure they're paid. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about stashing money. I'll make sure that happens. You work. Like Stegman and I talked about this. Stegman just works, mm-hmm. and he doesn't even see the money he makes. I don't either. His wife sees it, takes care of it, blah, 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 and it takes a lot off of him, so he can just be, get up, make sure I meet my deadlines, and that's my concern. It's what Allison does for Adam. It's, right, right. You know. See, I don't, in, in my world, I, I, I am Lisa and mm-hmm. you in one. Right. Where I have to, I'm the manager of the house. Where I take care of the finances and all that, blah blah blah, and I've got the deadlines and the day job. Well, see, so well, maybe is your like my brain doesn't work that way. Like I can't. Right. My brain does. I, I, right. And Steph's doesn't either. You know, my power would be cut off every month, and not because I don't have the money to pay for it. I'm just so, you know, absent-minded when it comes to stuff like that. That right. I'd forget to pay the bill every month. Right. And you know, so yeah, I I need Elisa. You know, well that's well, the thing because like we were talking about. 
wives and, and earlier before we started recording about the buy-in, the the women buying into our career, right? Um, which is hard because unlike a lot of other careers, our job is it's like another wife. Yeah, it's a mistress. It really is yeah. because well, a mistress that your wife knows about, right? You right. know, but yeah. So if you if you have a, a wife or a girlfriend or, or whatever. And if they're not willing to buy in to this, and I'm not saying that they, they have to read comics and be all into the lifestyle and all that, but, right. if, but if they can't get into it somewhat and enjoy it, at least the social aspect of it with sure. you, sure. I, I feel like the relationship is doomed. Lisa and I had this issue where she was very supportive, but I always got a lot of, oh, that's your thing. Right. Maybe that's your thing. That's not my right. thing. And we had to have with many discussions where it was like, Lisa... This is this is my life, and I love you, but I love this too. Right. And if it, and you need to be a part of this. Not it's not just I want you to be. You you need to be. Otherwise, there's a whole part of my life that you don't even, you're not even aware of of what's going on. That's where Steph is. I mean, Steph is, is not that aware. Like I mean, I tell her everything, but she's like, I can't keep all your people straight. Like I tell her, oh, I'm having dinner with with Mark. Well, which ones? I mean, she knows you, but right. someone like I'm having dinner with Mateo. Which one's Mateo? He's like, he's my friend. He's from Italy. He draws from Marvel. Blah blah blah. Right. I can't keep all your people straight. See, but she, she is has in, to buy in. She will. It's it's yeah. just honestly for us. See, you you were lucky in that you got Lisa. Your career was stable, and you got Lisa into it before you had a kid. That, that, that is true. So what happened is when we started having kids, my career was still being built. Right. So I had to start doing, I had to really be out there and doing shows, but with a baby, Steph had to stay home. That's true. So it, it was, it's not until really this three, three to four years ago when Marvel started keeping me busy and my son was still too young. Well, now we're now they're at an age where she can start coming to shows, but it's tricky because the kids. Well, do we bring them with us? Right. And then we've got two kids, and that's going to be tricky. And well, we can leave them back for a weekend, but Steph also works, mm-hmm. so that's tricky. But it, it's not that she she's very invested in what I'm doing and proud of me and supportive and and sees all the the accomplishments I'm making and knows a lot of people. I mean, there are people that are friendly with Steph. It's just not as many as Lisa because Steph doesn't do as many shows. Well, that's the thing. Well, this is what I... Because I, I would try to get Lisa to come to shows. She's like, I don't want to just sit there. and I, It's boring. And, and I think she also had a vision of what comic books were, which was the, the basement dweller with acne. Right, right. And I was like, Lisa, if, 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 if you will try, all I'm asking is for you to give it a couple of shows and try it out. And by try, meaning don't just sit there and stare ahead converse with these people right and it, it was a conversation she ended up getting in with Cully Hamner and where I was able to just walk away and the two of them right. sat and talked and they were talking comics talking like politics and stuff like that and we left that she was like Cully's really cool and I was like Cully Steph and Cully hit it off too that, Cully's a great Cully's intro great. For, for, great. For, a, for a wife or girlfriend and, and but I say that I was like you think he's cool there are tons of Cully's right exactly you exactly. know if you would well, buy in what happened in. was with Steph um well, like we went to Sean Murphy's wedding, mm-hmm. and I was in the wedding party, so Steph was kind of left to her own devices, and met Declan Shalvey and his girlfriend Jordy Belair, a colorist, mm-hmm. and her and Jordy just hit it off. And so the whole night, I got to talk shop and fuck around with Declan, 
and I can't separate her and Jordy. Right. And then Jason Schachter's wife, uh, girlfriend, Jennifer, Jen, was at the wedding, and then Jen and Steph are hitting it off. Mm-hmm. So they love each other. And Sean's now wife, Colleen and Steph, hit it off. And they, they like, talk on Facebook all the time. Right. So it's happening. And, and even, like, there's... There's some editors that, that have met Steph and she's friendly with, and it's it's clicking. So, like, I'm at the point, like, I think Heroes Con would be a good show to take her to. It My would. My only concern is Steph's not a drinker, and the late nights, she's, are going to be tough for her. But at Heroes, she can just go up to the room. Yeah, I mean, Lisa is, she's hit or miss when it comes to stuff like that. Some nights, she's like... I'm good to go till 3 in the morning. Other nights, like right after dinner at 10 o'clock, she's like, I'm going to go ahead and go up to the room. You know, but, but it's, it's fine with stuff like that. But I, the real buy-in that came with Lisa was, it was, again, it was the whole, I don't want to just sit there behind your table and stare ahead. And I said, right. you know what, Lisa? Be my manager. You work in PR already. That's your job. Yeah. You're an event planner. That'd be good. That's what you do. You talk so well. It's hard for me to talk to people and sign books and deal with money and things like that when I'm trying to draw. You come and you run the show. I'll, and, and my solemn promise to you is that if you do it, I'll do what you tell me to do. Do you ever feel like like when you're drawing, like like when I'm drawing, I'm pretty focused. And if, if no one's at the table, I feel like Steph will be just sitting there feeling like, she's, like I'm ignoring her and mm-hmm. I worry about that. Does that ever happen? It, well, it does and it doesn't. That used to happen when Lisa wasn't involved, but once she took over, it's her booth. Like in San Diego, that's her booth. I know my name's on it, but that's her booth. So when there's no one there, she's, you know, reorganized the tail, make sure it's all clean and they, or yeah, whatever. She's good at that. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, she runs the show, so she can she always finds something to do. And sometimes she likes to just sit there and stare ahead and do nothing because, you know, she is talking all day anyway. Right. You know, but she's so involved now, and I've, I've I've strategically put her in front of me. So like our like Mark Brooks Art, my Mark Brooks Art email account, uh-huh. I have access to it and I read it. But that's that's she her. Runs it, she runs it and she answers all the emails, and you know she's in charge and and I, it, it gives her something to do, and she feels like incredibly involved in my career. Uh-huh. And she. She's gotten to know so many people in comics now. Right, everyone knows this. Everyone knows, and, and, and everyone loves her, and she loves everybody. So when we go to a convention, it's not it's not me with Lisa behind me anymore. No, it's, right. I, it's honestly, us. I think socially, I've hung out with her more at cons than you. Probably. Yeah, I'm not surprised. I mean, I, I, I'm really not kidding when I say I think people like Lisa more than me, <laughs> you know, which is fine, you know, because I always tell her every time I go to a show, because I do do shows without her sometimes, because, you know, she doesn't have a regular job, and she has to take time off to come with me. Right. Um, I'll, I, 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 every time I see somebody, it's, hey, Mark, where's Lisa? Right. You know? Right. Is Lisa at this show? I yeah. I think that's the first thing I asked you when you pulled up. Why is it Lisa coming? Yeah, of course, you know. Well, my, also, now... That I've done this podcast, my room at the hotel is kind of like my studio. Mm-hmm. So I, I just am worried, like, all right, Steph, I have to go podcast. Like, is that going to be weird? Like, you got to go take care of yourself. A- am I an asshole? I'm kicking you out of our room. Right. But I think she knows enough people where I could, I could set it up where I could talk to Colleen, Sean's wife, and be like, look, I'm going to be podcasting. Uh, in the room, can you can you and Steph go do something? Right, and she probably would. Well, I think the key is to like 
it took it, it took a couple of years of going to shows to get her to this point, but I just worked very hard to make her comfortable in it, and now, you know, it's her it's her universe too. Right. You right. Know? Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I, I can we can walk into the bar at the Westin, let's say her and I, and I can walk away from her for an hour. Right, right, and, and she's fine. She's uh, yeah. Right when I come back, it's not where were you? And oh my god, I'll come back, and it's just like oh hey, you know, she's completely immersed and comfortable in that world, and I love it. I absolutely love it because I look back on the time, and it was years me working in the industry where she would almost like arms crossed, shaking her head, you know, lips pursed. No, no, I will not partake in this. It's not my world. So you know? she took that stand. For a little while, yeah. Okay. You know, Lisa is, you know, like I said, great, smartest, charming, beautiful, stubborn as a mule. And it, it, it takes a lot to convince her to try something or, you know, because once she sets her mind on something or has convinced herself that something is what it is, uh-huh. you, it's very difficult to, to convince her otherwise. So it took a while, um, but she's realized that, you know, what it is and she she really truly enjoys it yeah I think I need to start, start taking stuff in fact I would like to even take the kids to certain smaller shows now Heroes Con's a great one for kids yeah 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 now but that's going to be tricky podcasting the room if I have the kids there well that's true unless I, I were to get a suite yeah but then I'm dropping even more money but yeah I, I mean there's shows I do where I don't need to podcast and I can bring the kids. Yeah, I well, we're, we're strategic with Jack about what which ones we bring him to. Right, um, right. Heroes Con's a good one. He'll come up for a day or two of Dragon Con. Um, you know, San Diego, New York, shows like that. Oh, I, it's I, that's a, yeah, that's a bit much. It is a lot. Well, especially it wouldn't be so bad if Lisa wasn't managing me. But it's not just a case of me going to right. a show and Lisa's tagging along. We're both working. See, I could do you know. San Diego because Steph could just hang with the kids by the pool. Mm. In fact, what I thought about doing for San Diego was ha- flying them out on Saturday of the show. So they're just there for one night of the con activities. Mm-hmm. And then we stay a few days after. So they get in Saturday afternoon. They come under the floor. They see a little bit. Uh, you know, we go out to dinner and, and a party with some of the people and the kids get... You know, taking the kids to a Marvel party would be pretty exciting for them. Oh, yeah. And then Sunday, they can just hang by the pool while I wrap up business. We can have another dinner with some comic book friends they all know. And then come Monday, where they're just alone. So they get to taste the con, but not live it. See, that's a good thing. Yeah, when your kid draws a little older than Jack, because I want right, Jack to right. see San Diego. Yeah, Because yeah. you I walk mean, the in... kids will go nuts. My oh, kids, without a doubt. Like, last year, they had that, that Finn from Adventure Time head that was... Two stories tall, blown up in downtown San Diego, mm-hmm. and and uh, I'm walking through the hotel lobby, and and Rigby and Mordecai from regular show come walking by. My kids would have lost their minds if they saw. Right. That. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I do want to take them. I do, and my my dad keeps asking about going. Parents, I find, like, my mom and dad are very supportive of my career, and they're super proud of me, and. They always say, oh, I want to come see you at a signing, or I want yeah, to come see you at a show. Like that too. But when they come, I think that they it, it's so foreign for them as a universe. Yeah. Well, my dad wants to come to San Diego. That's it. Because My parents do, too. He wants to, he wants to come to the invite-only party. Yeah. He wants to see the celebrities. He wants to see this phenomenon that is San Diego Comic-Con. Because 
uh, my career's at a point where my dad brags amongst his friends a little bit now, mm-hmm. and you know I'm attached to Marvel, and so he can go experience that. My dad's a complete gossip. He has turned into a complete gossip in his older years. <laughs> so he wants to go and be able to say all the gossipy things that he got to do. Right. So again, if they came out on a Saturday, which was Saturday night party, and then we could all as a family, my brother lives in Ventura. Mm-hmm. So that's only three hours from San Diego. We could do the show Saturday and Sunday, maybe hang out in San Diego Monday, take the train up to see my brother for a few days. It could work. It could. I mean, and that's the way I look at it with my parents is because they keep talking like they want to come out for the entire weekend. Yeah, no. no, no. I, yeah, I that, keep telling them that. Because you got to do your business. Well, it's not even that. It's that I don't think they quite understand how overwhelming it is. Yeah, that's true. That if they try to, and all the walking you have to do, I'm right. like, you know, c- come out and do a day. Right. And Well, also, you know, the way I do San Diego is I only do San Diego if I get that Marriott room with the balcony overlooking the pool. Right. Because I'm a very, I'm a stone's throw from the convention center. Right. So I can pop in and pop out as easily as possible. It's not easy. Right. Easier than easier. any other situation. Easier than getting a, and then a just pedal cab pool. or whatever. Right. Yeah. Right. I've never been in a cab in San Diego. I, I haven't I either. But experience. I mean, I've heard nightmares. No. Oh, I've done the, the pedicabs. Yeah, I've done that too. Which is, you know, which is kind of fun when you're drunk and you, yeah. you have a bunch of people and you start even making them race have, each other. you have to fight. Like, they'll start taking you everywhere except where you're trying to go. Oh, yeah, and then they start... They start jacking up the price. Yeah, that, that's the only problem. But, yeah, yeah, we always stay, like, across the street at the, the Hilton Gas Lab, which is right, right across the street. Right, right. This year we got the Hard Rock, but Hard at least Rock's we're good. right there, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. And the Marriott pool is fucking paradise. Mm-hmm. So I know my parents could pop in for a little bit then go sit by the pool and the kids and they could play in the pool and all damn day have a great time and, and go to dinner and that would be easy. Yeah, it definitely would. But I, I do think there's the only issue I think you would have is the issue I had when I took Lisa to San Diego for the first time because this was prior to her working, you know, right. being my manager. This is more of a, she wants to go see San Diego. Right. And I had to have... And I said it to her before we went, and I had to remind her a couple of times because of the way she was getting, that of all the shows I do, San Diego is the most business. Right, it's, it's, right. It's, it's it, nonstop. It's nonstop. I Either mean, I'm at a table selling stuff and I'm working because I'm constantly busy. Or three in the morning. Right, at a, or I'm going to meetings right. or lunches or, yeah, you have to oh, go to yeah, a party right, right. or Parties something like and that. Meetings and yeah, and basically it's like five days of being on. Yeah, and there's no... Well, I've turned it into a different show, but it used to be no downtime. Right. Like, literally, 3 in the morning, you're going to bed, and then you're getting up early to get back on the floor to do it again. Right. But when San Diego started getting extremely overwhelming, mm-hmm. I started popping into the show first thing in the morning and leaving to get lunch with some people and not going back into the show and just going to the pool and relaxing and reminding. Really? And then going out to dinner and here's what started happening I'm at the pool at the Marriott I've got a cooler full of beers and I'm just chilling and I'm just when I go in in the morning I'm letting people know that that I'm friends with this is where I'll be or people that say hey I want to talk to you this is where I'll be and one year I lined up more work sitting by the pool than I ever did on the floor. Right. And what it was, I realized I was the oasis. I was the escape. Right. I was like, oh, thank God I can get away and 
unwind. Oh, here's a beer. Have a seat. Get your bathing suit on. Let's chill out. Which is rare in San Diego. Right. Which which is like, if you're on that con floor, the idea that a, a very short walk away is a giant pool. Right. With a beautiful sun deck and no con. Right. And so people could pop out for an hour and then go back in after having a beer, a little sun, maybe a dip in the pool, and then go back in charge. No, well, no what about, because... But I don't table. Well, that's the thing. I was going to say, because what's, the, what's the, the money aspect? Because with San Diego, like, I have a booth, and that booth already, for anyone not aware, when you have a booth in San Diego, just a, a, a 10 by 10 booth in the illustration area, it's $2,000 you pay for that booth. Right, right. So, for me, San Diego is all about getting my nut. And right. I, you know, I can make a quarter, and sometimes on a rare occasion, a third of my income for the entire year. I can right. make that in, the, in, in that, that five position. days. Yeah. You're, yeah. I, I'm not. I'm nowhere near that position. I don't know that. He, see, if I were in that position, then I then I'd have a real decision to make. Mm-hmm. See, I, if I tabled, I, I would make some money, but not a lot, and and I'd be miserable. I think you make more than you think because I find that even the indie guys who okay. no one knows who they are. Because it's so packed and dense with people that you just yeah, I mean, default you're making money. I would say fifty percent of the sales I make that even with having been at Marvel ten years and having a decent amount of notable work under my belt, I still would say fifty percent of yeah, my sales come from right. strangers. I, you know what it is? I don't think I think I would completely melt down if if I had to do the show like you. Yeah. I don't have someone helping me. And that's why you need stuff. You gotta you start getting her in, man. Trainer. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm telling I don't you. Know. I feel like I've turned the show into a working vacation. Yeah. And are, and that's the only show I do that at. Oh, and if you're happy that way, you have more and power I am happy too. That yeah. Way. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I, I don't know that because it's such a, it's in a way it's such a getaway getting to sit by that pool. I would almost rather have that downtime with Steph than be on the floor. And maybe I'm turning away a lot of income. And I don't know. I guess I have to experience your way of doing it to really know. Yeah, I tell you. I mean, it is exhausting. Of all the shows, I, there's you know, the show that I enjoy and hate the most is San Diego because it, by Sunday, Lisa and I are just fucking wiped out. But yeah, yeah. The, 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 our... our money bag that we're walking away with oh that that's I can't I can't give that up I mean it's just it's it's so much yeah, you make, yeah if you're making that yeah if, I, look I'm not gonna make that kind of money you, so no, I didn't think I would either that's the thing I built it like the one thing about cons is and and you could say whatever you want about me art wise whether you like my work or hate my work I, I, I really don't care I can market the shit out of myself at a show. Okay. I, I know I'm good at that. Right. And it's what I do. Um, J. Scott, the only person I know better than me is Adam Hughes and J. Scott Campbell. Right. And but, J. Scott Campbell being the pinnacle best at right. marketing but himself at a show. Monster fucking. All of you guys are just beast talents. So. Uh, but see, but again, that's arguable. You know, that that's that's subjective to me. But being able to market yourself and like it, it's the it's the old tired slogan of you're not selling the steak you're selling the sizzle right you know okay. It, okay. it's it's sure sure I get it I yeah get it. you know we're selling that sizzle and just but it, then you've also got to juggle your signings your panels yeah. it's a lot it I, is I, a I lot I would love to do it like Sean Murphy um roomed with, we roomed together not last year but the year before and he's with Jason Schachter in Essential Sequential 
And what Jason did was, he didn't get a booth big enough for everyone. Mm -hmm. He got a smaller booth, and everyone had had uh, time slots. Yeah. So Sean knew, I'm gonna get my tabling in, mm -hmm. but it's just from 12 to 2 on this day and right. 11 to 1 on this day, and all the fans do that. It almost like created a a, a demand. A rush. While he was there, right? And but then he was able to come hang out at the pool with me. And I remember thinking, well, that way is cool because Sean gets to make money. Mm -hmm. Maybe not as much as he would if he just sat there the whole time, but he also gets to decompress. And for me, the big important aspect of San Diego is what goes on at night. It's the dinners and the parties. At that Marvel party, that year you introduced, I remember, that, this was like, I'm going to tell this as probably the story before the podcast, so I don't want to tell it too much. Okay. But that Marvel party two years ago where you were hanging with, with um, the guy from Sex in the City, um, fucking forget his, the character. Oh, the, the, the fan giant good looking dude. Right, right. Yeah. And, and you told me he was a Deadpool fan and we ended up hanging out mm -hmm. and then like 10 minutes later I'm over with Nick Lowe and he's talking about putting me on Wolverine and the X-Men and it was just like this explosion of awesomeness and I remember like everything was going so well the night was not over and I just I came out of the bathroom and just walked out I was like this can't get better so right. I'm just leaving and I was like, that's what's good for San Diego. It's like me. George Costanza living in a house. Right, I left it. Exactly. Thank you. Good night. Exactly I'm out. <laughs> and that's what I did. I texted everyone. I'm out on a high note. And all I did was texted all my friends and I'm going back to the room. And 15 minutes later, I had a room full of all my friends. We're on the balcony, drinking, smoking weed, just having a blast. Mm -hmm. And uh, for me... That, it's the networking. That's the show where I really get to get good FaceTime with a lot of people, and it, and it keeps my my career, keeps me in their head. Well, you know, see, now, it's odd you say it like that because that was my attitude for years. Uh-huh. And it still is somewhat, but Lisa and I also realized that all these parties, with the exception of the Marvel party, because I go there and I know everybody. Right. But I, we would get invited to the DreamWorks party. Yeah, or I don't go to, to Well, I used to go to the Sony party. Yeah, and, I used to go to, uh, I it, used to. But it was a big deal for me to get in those parties, you right. know, because to feel like I'm it's connected. It's a stroke, right. But here's the problem. You go there, and you may go there with a couple of friends, and you walk in, and there's celebrities there, and right, there's, right. Been, you know, yeah. no one that reads comics is there. And you end up, you know, waiting in line to get a drink for 10, for 10 15 minutes. You get your drink, you stand in the middle of this party, and you talk to your friends. Right, right. It's the biggest no, waste of fucking time. You're absolutely right about that. And, well, also what I started doing, the other reason I have to get that room with the balcony overlooking the pool is because then my room is the night oasis. Right. And I go out to dinner and get the dinner time in with, with the people in your network in. Right. And then I'm just texting my friends back at the room. Like, I'll have 15 people in my room till two in the morning mm -hmm. um, and we're having a blast instead of being at a crowded bar paying too much for a drink right and that took you 20 minutes to get right and I've got bottles of liquor coolers of beer and all of those friends of mine are usually bringing someone else who's not there every night mm -hmm. so like just for example one night um, like I was in the room with Murphy and, and Nick Dragata we, we were the ones sharing the room so with me and with Dragata comes Lee Lowridge, Rick Remender. That's part of the crew. Mm -hmm. And then Sean comes in with some of the people he knows and works with, like Rafael Albuquerque right. and some 
DC guy who's in the marketing department. And with Rick comes Brian Posehn and Jerry Duggan mm-hmm. and and and, uh, and some other comedians. And so then you've got a room with people where you're good friends with half of them and you're getting to meet really interesting people also. Right. But you're not at a bar fighting shit. And it's more intimate. It just... Right. And, and the people aren't afraid to let go. Where right. When you're at the bar, like say there's a, like I'm hanging out with an editor in my room. Well, that editor can then let go a little bit and not worry about who's listening to what they're saying. Right. And who's going to hear me and the editor talking about a project that I'm working on that hasn't been announced. Or, or who's going to walk up and interrupt you guys in the middle of a conversation. Right, and, and who is, where, what what young hungry artist is like standing there awkwardly waiting for some FaceTime. Right. Yeah, so that, yeah, that aspect true. is nice. Well, Lisa, that, that's Lisa, why it's a networking show for me. Well, Lisa, and I, well, that's the thing. When I have, having a booth, because I'm in the same spot every year, it, it almost like I do a lot of networking during the show because they tend to kind of come to me. Yeah, yeah. See, I see. I don't know your end of it. I'm I'm making a, a an assumption without really knowing. Yeah. yeah well, it, it's okay. It's a, it's a it's a fine assumption because I mean I still do need to do networking at night, but my networking comes like the Marvel party. I don't do the big monster parties anymore because you don't you can't have really good conversations there anyway. No, no, no. They, all, they usually come to me, and because I have a 10 by 10 booth, I can say, come on back, and I have just multiple chairs back there. Oh, you've got, yeah, you, you've and, got a very nice booth. Yeah, so yeah, we'll just sit back there. Sally, exactly. So, so we'll sit See, back there and nice. talk. But at night, like Lisa and I do this thing now, where with the exception of the Marvel Party night, our thing is we get two or, two or three good close friends, we make reservations at a decent restaurant, we go eat. Yes, small parties for yeah. dinner are a must. But we eat for like we, we, we do Italian style eating where we eat for like four or five yeah, hours. Yeah, we do the same thing. We get there. Usually, it'll be like a party of five or six. Mm-hmm. I'll usually be one of the first ones there because I'm crazy anal and need to be early. And I'll be there with one person. We'll sit at the bar, get a drink, maybe an appetizer. People start rolling in. We switch to the table. We all have a few drinks. We explain to the waiter, you know, look, we're in no rush. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, we'll take care of you at the end. So don't feel like we're just holding up your table. Right. We're going to take good care of you. And we have a few drinks. Then we start looking at the menu and ordering. And, yeah, it goes for a while. We have a great meal. It's just fun that way. Yeah. It's relaxing and just all the, the pressure, you know. And the one thing I also realized with San Diego is the worst thing you could ever do, especially prior to San Diego, is try to make plans with somebody. Oh, no, yeah, not at all. You, you know, got to keep it organic. Yeah, there's always someone, hey, let, can, you, can we grab dinner Thursday? Like, I get to the point now where I'll get an email two weeks out from San Diego, hey, you want to grab dinner Thursday night? And the reply is always the same. I have no idea. Yeah. Because I don't know what's going to happen. Because you have no happen. idea what's going to pop up. Yeah, because it's chaos. It's five days of chaos, and, and making plans is just the, the best way to piss someone off by having to cancel. Right, and you have no idea. Like, I remember running into you. You're eating at Sally's, which is a popular spot to eat. It's mm-hmm. outdoors, on the water, kind of behind the convention center. You don't have to fight the gas lamp. Right. You can eat outside. And I bumped into you. You were eating and you were like, dude, I'm with Ian McKegg. We're having dinner. Right. Like, that just happened. It did. Well, it was JJ. Right. J- JJ came to me that afternoon and said, Ian McKegg is on his way over. We're having dinner at uh, 8.30. And, um, and he goes, I got a reservation for 12. Do you want to come? And and I had already had plans that night. But, of course, I was like, uh, yeah. yes. Yeah. And, duh. Yeah, big duh. And so I, I, I frantically emailed him who, I, who we were sort of dinner with. and said, sorry, can't make yeah. it tonight. 
And for the most part, people are pretty understanding. Yeah, everyone is because we're all doing it. Yeah, we're all doing it to each other. Yeah. Like CB and I, at any other show, I'll normally do dinner at one night with CB at some point. San Diego, I know I'm not going to see the guy. Right, right, right. You yeah, know? CB is he's pulled in so many directions. And he's also, when he's hitting San Diego, he's looking to very specifically line up uh, dinners with celebrity chefs and people he knows. Right. And get special treatments. And, uh, and who can blame him, right? Yeah, no, no, not at all. So he really has a, a plan before he even gets in town. Mm-hmm. And he and he's so well known. It's just it's it, to get in on those dinners and. Well, he's an ambassador. Right. I mean, he's he's Marvel's exactly, ambassador. Right. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, exactly. so I mean, he is he has taken kind of take control of his thing. But I kind of like with San Diego because I think because the day itself is so exhausting yeah. and so planned out at night. I like playing it by ear, and I like relaxing. I don't like. I don't oh. like this. I we have to get to this party. Right. No, I hate that too. There was a point though before it got too big where those parties were not incredibly populated. I remember th- there was a point. I, w- I was always invited to the Oni party, mm-hmm. and right around the time where Scott Pilgrim was in production and not out, and there was tons of hype around the movie, where Oni. They were uh, partnered with UTA, United Talent Agency, mm-hmm. in Hollywood, and UTA threw a party. And they it was invite only, um, high celebrity attendance. Yeah, Vel- party, velvet rope type right, shit. But the party was not empty, but it was not crowded. Right. And and there was open bar, and it was easy to get a drink, and there was it, it built for a couple of years. Until it got out of control, big, where it was no longer fun. Right. But there was one year um, where they had it. There's a venue for parties at the baseball stadium. Yes. That has a section of bleachers and overlooks the baseball stadium at night. And I walk in. And this is only an indie publisher. Mm-hmm. And I'm very good friends with the editor-in-chief there. And I know a lot of indie creators. A lot of them were my students. And I walk in there with Lee Lowridge. And we walk in, and it's like, it's an outdoor party with, like, three bars set up, DJ. We look over the baseball field, and Oni's logo and UTA's logo is projected onto the field. Right. And we grab a drink. We're sitting in the bleachers, and it's quiet in the bleachers. It's a little noisier in the, in the, uh, in the, down where the bars are. And we're just like, this is fucking incredible. How did comics end up here? Right. Because by the end of the night, Joss Whedon was having a breakdance competition with Tyrese <laughs> in the middle of the party. And and that was like, we were like, this is legend. Right. Like we knew that night. So the next year, we were like, Oni party. And we dragged, like, Axel came with us. And we dragged a, a, a good crew of people. And we get to the party. It's wall to wall. It's no fun. You can't get a drink. We stayed in for 10 minutes and left. Yeah. And that was it. Well, From then on out, the, the parties were like, suck. Every party has done... Well, that's what's happened because San Diego used to be about comics and now San Diego has turned into something like a film festival right. atmosphere. And you go to these parties that... It's supposed to be a comic book style party. And you get there and you realize it's populated with douchebags. Yeah, it's, it's all the girls wanting to be in movies. So and all these you dudes... Can see them. You know, oh, you're an L.A. girl. Yeah. Because you're dressed to the nines... And you're looking for someone to notice you, an agent, and pick you up. And all these guys lying about the fact that they're producers. Right, all the producers. It's so funny to me that, and and I try not to burst people's bubbles, I know, but the first time they get that producer in front of them, they think the heavens are going to open for them. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, 
dude, this guy is going to leave you disappointed. What, this is why guys go in that party and claim they're producers. Right. When right. They're, they're just some douchebag from L.A. who's a wannabe actor, right. doesn't know dick about comics, doesn't know dick about fan culture or anything. And, it, and it, yeah, it's not fun. You know, because those are the guys, because they come in with a with an attitude already. You know, because they're so yeah, used yeah. to going to these bullshit L.A. parties. That, that This is Comic-Con, but they walk in with that attitude, and it ruins it for everybody. Right. So I guess now, for me, the parties have really been... I mean, the, the con has become, for me, about hiding more than going yeah, out. Yeah, I agree. But, uh, but I'm high, that's what I mean. It's a working vacation. I get to have parties with my friends every night while I'm away mm-hmm. and get some networking in and get some downtime by the pool. But, like, it's great. Like, last year, by the pool... There was like a crew of seven of us, and we just were chilling, having beers. Then we went out to dinner. We stopped by, probably that's we yeah, we got to the Marvel party first, mm-hmm. and I had left at midnight, so it wasn't too bad. And uh, then we ended up in the room, so it's a it's a bit of a working vacation. But you know, I'm 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 ex- I'm justifying that in a way. I can't imagine what it's like to walk away from San Diego with the amount of money like you make at San Diego. Well, that's the New that's York. That's a lot of fucking money. New York. Well, well, here's the other thing too, though. I spend. San Diego is the most expensive show. Absolutely. Like, I'll, I'll give you a money. Well, the hotels just jack the shit yeah, out of it. Like in the booth. Yeah, I get it. I'll give you a money breakdown for San Diego to, to run a booth in San Diego. Okay, let's do that. To give you an idea. So the booth itself, two thousand dollars. So I, I, I and we spend that on Sunday before we leave for the next year. So we're, we spend two thousand dollars, but I'll, I'll lump that in as the as the next year's fee. Right. So there's that. Then there's plane fare. This year our plane tickets were five hundred dollars a piece. Yeah, that's about right. Because everyone's realized that Comic Con's going on. And they've jacked the right. price like crazy. So that's a thousand dollars for Lisa and I. So that's three thousand. I normally get an art book done. The art book runs me after printing and shipping minimum sh- uh, print run is a thousand copies. That's six thousand dollars. So that's three. That's nine thousand dollars right there. Um, then the hotel, oh, our God, hotel room, it's about three hundred dollars a night. We arrive on Wednesday yeah. and we leave on Monday. So that's Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday. It's five nights. So that's fifteen hundred dollars there. Ten five. So I am ten five, um, and that's not including meals, meals and food. So let's Drinks. say that when I, I let's just say when I walk in the door. When I walk in the door for preview night at San Diego, I am already, let's round it up to $11,000 in the hole. Wow. <laughs> but here's the thing. I produce all the stuff I'm going to sell for the entire year for San Diego. San Diego's my debut show. Right. So the art book that I produced, I'm selling at San Diego. I'm not going to sell through all 1,000 copies. I'm going to sell enough, most likely, to pay for the printing costs. But I now have books for all the cons for the the rest of the year. So while I do make a huge nut at San Diego, once you back out what I paid to get in there, I actually make more at cons like New York only because I have... Right, you've already spent the money. I've spent the money. Right. So that's why it's so important when I go to San Diego that it's it's about money in San Diego big time. So if you break even, then your other shows are all profit. Right. And I I do better than break even at San Diego. Sure, 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 sure. But... But even then, like, yeah. the, the idea that I have to make ten grand to break even—that's amazing. Mm-hmm. But at a show like San Diego, you can do that. I mean, yeah. you really can. I mean, I—I I normally. I guess I don't. I don't have. I don't have a belief that I could do that. I know you can do that. 
Well, but see, but I'm I'm at a stage now where I'm spending that kind of money. You right. probably wouldn't have to spend that much. That's true. That's you true. know, I mean, look, the booth itself is two thousand right. dollars. You get an artist alley; those tables are free. Are they? For if you're a Marvel or DC artist, yeah. So you know. Yeah, in fact, I was offered at that Heroes Con, someone offered me their table because they can't make it, but they don't want to lose it. Right. Because that's the that's another thing people should probably understand is getting into Artist Alley in San Diego. Well, the real estate's pretty much covered by people who won't let it go. Right. And if someone lets it go, there's a long line of people waiting to grab that space. Everyone's and then when grandfathered they get in. It, they're not going to want to let it go. It's worse with booths because there's only there's only maybe 30, 30 or 35 illustration booths at $2,000 a piece. And we, we applied for a booth every year for four years before we finally got one. Wow. Because once you get a booth... You, you get it every year. It's yours to, it's yours to, to give right, up. Right, unless you give it right. Right. It that's how Artist Alley is, too. But that's our problem now because Artist Alley, you, it's, I think it's harder for other guys. If you can, if you can get Clydeen through email uh-huh. and tell her who you are and what you do, she'll give you a table. Okay. She will. I mean, that's how I, I, I got it. Uh, indie guys, a little harder. That, that, it's one of those wait list type situations. Right. Booths, it doesn't matter who you are. You just gotta pay the money. You gotta pay the money, and if once you give it up, but you also gotta hope someone's giving it up. Right. But if you're Joe Mad, and you want a booth, it's still gonna you're, you go to the back of the right, line. Exactly. exactly. You know. And it's 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 tough. So yes, yeah, so and now it's one of those cases where we can't skip San Diego because the minute we skip it, yeah, yeah, you go we back go to the back into the line. You know. Yeah, it's tricky. It really is. All right, so um, is there stuff you wanted to talk about post Heroes Con that, uh, that we were talking about the way out? We, we we just did a lot of con talk, but it's very San Diego focused. Yeah, but I, well, but I think San Diego being the, the, the monster show that it is, um, you know, I think that's a that, that's a good one to talk about because I think that's one of the shows that everyone hears so much about, even if they've never attended. Yeah. That you know, hearing about it in that that capacity is, uh, is I think I think it's really interesting. San Diego is uh, it's such a different beast now though because the way the floor is set up, the floor first off is a quarter mile long, which quarter mile doesn't seem that long when you're driving in a car. Yeah, it's huge, man, and, it, and it's and it's like your 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 shoulders are touching other people that constantly entire quarter mile walk. Yeah, uh, it's it, the floor is so big that it makes me miserable. Well, it really yeah, makes I, me I, miserable. The, what, our area, the illustration area, is great. The middle area where they have oh, all the, the booths, are. the publishers, and oh, all and the movie the, studios. The movie booths. Oh, that's the worst. Yeah, that's tough. But it, the, the floor is so crowded and so big that if I leave my booth to go do my signing at the Marvel booth and I don't stop, I leave my booth and I walk without breaking anywhere, stopping to talk to anybody, or stopping a booth. Oh, it's a, it still takes me forty-five yeah, minutes. Yeah. That's what happened in New York last year. Remember where Artist Alley was in that separate area? And then I'd have signings at Marvel, and there was the bottleneck at the escalators to get onto the main con floor. Mm-hmm. I'd have I left my 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 uh, table a good forty five minutes before my signing, and still just made it by the skin of my teeth. Right. And it was just standing there, moving an inch a second to get onto the con floor. Well, I have discovered the secret with San Diego, and that is you don't walk the floor. If you know where the where the booth you're going to is on the floor, yeah. you walk out. Yeah, yeah, into the no, corridor and you cruise down and then cut back in I was at a show I want to say I'm pretty sure it was San Diego 
Or someone had discovered a way to walk through the back. Oh, yeah, there's a, that's why the celebrities come through. Right, yeah, it was San Diego. Yeah. And he just said, who was I with? It was Lee. Only mm-hmm. Lee would do this. It was just like, look, you just act like you're supposed to be back here and nobody questions Right. You. And so we just, we'd duck at, we'd be on the con floor, go into a back door, which is pretty guarded, but Lee has enough swagger to talk his way through it, and then you just walk through, and it's like nothing. Mm-hmm. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> but th- then we got we got stopped a couple times where they're like, no, and then we had to walk all the way around the outside of the convention center from the back, and they were like, no, I'm not doing that anymore. Yeah. All right, let me ask you, ask you this. Um... When, when you had that talk with Lisa about leaving, mm-hmm. before that, you're working a full-time job, you're working nights and weekends in comics. How was that affecting the relationship? She was pretty cool about it because I think Lisa realized that I was kind of aimless when it came to the rest of my life. You know, I, I, I had a job. I didn't enjoy it. I was, it was a paycheck. And she realized that I had a passion for something. And uh-huh. I really did have a hell or high water. I'm going to draw comics for a living, right? And I, she realized that, and she was she was very supportive. She did get frustrated sometimes, right? That's what I mean. You know, I, um, I mean, I feel like Steph was extremely supportive, but there was a period where when Marvel called and I started working for Marvel, <coughs> and I was I was when I was working at SCAD. I mean, I'm still working at SCAD, but it was at a time at SCAD where it was earlier in the school. Like, the school was pretty new, so I had to put in a lot of hours because we were building the school. Mm-hmm. And I, I was seriously, like, nonstop work mode. And it put a significant strain on the marriage. It wasn't because... And we had we had a baby and a little kid. And it wasn't because Steph was, wasn't getting it. It was just we were both so overworked with her and the kids and me and the jobs it just came to the point where she said one day I feel like we're ships passing in the night I get we, we got that way we're separate lives and, and I think everyone's relationship kind of hits that point and that's when you gotta really take stock and, and evaluate the situation and figure out how to balance things out well I think it was different for us we, we, we I did figure out one thing we did different but I think what we realized was at this stage in my career, because this is the stage in the career where basically the companies are going to work you. I mean, right. it's 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 like it's a, it's it's a trial by fire, right? You know, because if you're a new guy, they're they're going to give you three weeks for an issue, and they're going to demand something be done in two days because they can, right? You know, it's funny. The longer you work, the more leeway you get, right? But in the beginning, yeah, they work the hell out of you. So what we did was in our little house, or the first house we bought. My drawing board was in a room off the living room in a little small, what used to be a bedroom. It was in a, 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 my studio, and we had that problem. Uh-oh, Mark. What? Hold on, i got to press pause. All right, that was a quick, <laughs> abrupt interruption. When last we left off. When last we left off. We had a slight emergency. In a world. Uh, as you know, we stopped to get fireworks <laughs> about an hour ago. <laughs> and... <laughs> we, I, I luckily looked down at my phone as we're into this podcast. The talking ringer, about Lisa. Right, right. Talking about Lisa. And uh, I had my ringer off for the podcast. And I just happened to look down and see a text about 15 minutes ago that said, Tell Mark, here, I'll actually, let me, let me read this verbatim so I don't get it wrong. Sean, this is Lisa. Mark left his phone at the fireworks place, exclamation point. Now, we're an hour past, so immediate panic. We're going to have to drive an hour back 
then another hour to catch up. Adding two hours to this already, you know, long trip. Right. So, actually, one thing I'm really enjoying about this road podcast is the spontaneity of shit. That it really is. So we had to abruptly stop because I saw an emergency. I was, I, I, I just thought for a brief, I ran through my head. My stomach dropped. Yeah, yeah. And then I had to call home, and then my wife was like, what? That's going to add two hours. We have dinner reservations. Boom, boom, boom. And she's emotional, and I'm like, well, Mark needs his phone. Like, <laughs> if I had my phone, you'd want me to go back and get it. So we double we, we, back. We, we call that mad at the situation. Right, right, mad you at know. the situation. And so we double back, and as we're turning around on the exit, I'm thinking, who do I know that is leaving today? And the first person I think of is Jackie Lewis. And Jackie, I call her. This is incredible. <laughs> As I'm saying, have you passed Shelton Fireworks? She's like, it's right in front of me. I'm like, get off now. Get off now. <laughs> and I explain the situation to her. That's what she said. Right. <laughs> 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 I explain the situation to her as she's pulling into the parking lot. She's picking up the phone. She's going to drop it at my house. So Mark will lose an hour instead of two hours, but he'll be able to sit in the house, not in the car. Exactly. Uh, but, I, you know, I wanted to mention this when, once when that, that whole thing was done. Some people are unlucky in life, and some people are lucky in life. Yes. There's a, there's a rare breed of person that I count myself among that we're not lucky or unlucky. Things just always seem to work out for me. Right. You know, like I lose. It's like that Jerry Seinfeld episode where the the, the where everything always just kind of seems to work out for him. He throws away twenty dollars, then he magically finds twenty dollars to prove the point. Right, right. Like, that's very right. similar for me. You know. You think this rain is actually it's not too bad? It's not yeah. Too bad. Sorry if the rain is, is too textual. But yeah, yeah. So so we just got through that madness. Um, Actually, I'm gonna let me. I'm gonna push pause one more time just to get through this rain because I'm worried with the mic being that close to the windshield that they won't hear anything. No, that's true. All right, so I'm gonna push pause. All right, the weather's pretty damn erratic. It was sunny, and because we had pressed pause during that whole firework debacle, and then it started raining, so we were waiting till that cleared up. Cleared up the minute I turned it on, it started raining again. Yeah, this is it's a torrential downpour all yeah, of a sudden. So it's it's probably gonna come back on soon. But, Mark, you had a story you wanted to tell? Oh, this happened to me at the show this weekend. And uh, it, it was kind of a surreal. And looking back on it, you could find humor in it. But uh, on Saturday, Saturday night, Saturday is the big art auction night. And it's the big, Saturday at any con is usually the big party night. You know, everyone right, goes right, out, right. really just pours it on. So uh, I went to the art auction and was drinking a lot. And then that ended. We all went to the bar and continued drinking until we got to last call. And once we got to that point, uh, I pretty much said my goodbyes. Lisa had already gone up a couple hours earlier. And we were staying, at, uh, because we were there with a couple of families, and my, uh, my, my wife, my kid, another couple, and their kid. We also brought a nanny with us. And she's this 19-year-old girl. She's very nice, very sweet. And uh, I came in thinking everybody would be asleep, and I could just kind of lounge on the couch, watch a little TV as I, you know, try to avoid the bed spins and go to bed, fall asleep. Yeah, so I was pretty gone. Uh-huh. Um, so uh, I got up in there and, and walked in. All the lights were off, and I'm like, great, everybody's asleep. I'm going to just chill out for a minute. 
and I sit down, turn the TV on, and the bathroom inside, and when I say we have a suite, the way the, the way the room works is there's a common room in the middle, and then to either side, it's like two full hotel rooms, and the common room is where I came in, so I could just kind of chill out, and I sat down, turned the TV on, and then the bathroom inside the common room opened, scared the shit out of me, and Ren, our nanny, came walking out. And she's kind of like red-eyed, and she just goes, I really need to talk to you. Uh, and I am trashed, and all I can think is, what the fuck? And I mean, not, not just because I'm, uh, you know, her situation, but also, it's two in the morning, I'm you're, drunk. You're now not going to sleep for a while. Well, it's not, even, it's not that either, but it, I, it, it, there is that. But I'm drunk, there's this 19-year-old blonde alone right. with me, right. crying. Right. And my wife is sleeping in the next room, and I'm like, this does not look yeah, good. This is heading in a bad direction. It really right. is. And, it's, and then the, I need to talk to you. There's another Shelton. She was right. Oh. Lucky she was at the one we needed. Interesting, right, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Um, so I sit down with her, and she tells me that I guess she had a, a boyfriend, and I don't know how much she calls a boyfriend, but I guess she, she does. She said it was her boyfriend from 12 years old to 16 when she was in high school. And she's 19 now and has another boyfriend altogether. But apparently that night at midnight, he had bought a motorcycle two days before and had crashed and died. Oh, I mean, that's horrible. It, it is horrible. Um, and you're drunk. And I'm I'm flat drunk. And I now have to sit here. And again, I know this sounds incredibly selfish of me to say this. <laughs> but I'm like, oh, God. And so I'm sitting here just like, you know that thing where you're trying to will yourself sober? Right. And I had to sit there with her for two hours oh. talking about death and all this stuff and trying to make her feel better, um, you know, because she's, she's, she's from Atlanta like we are, so she's stuck four hours away. She's not going back till the next day, and she's a mess. Did Everyone's she asleep. She no, she, she drove up with Lisa. Oh, my God. Um, so that car ride home must have been emotional. Uh, probably, I'm sure. So... You know, the I probably said five or six times mid-conversation, do you want me to go get Lisa? Are you sure you don't want me to go get Lisa? And uh, uh, it was just it was just kind of uncomfortable. I mean, she, uh, apparently somehow, I don't know how I did it. Like I said, I was drunk, so I'm sure I was just babbling a bunch of stuff from, like, the Wrath of Khan or <laughs> stuff like that. When Spock died, like, you know, they don't, they don't truly die. They're with us as long as we remember them. You know, uh, memories live on. I am. I'm just saying anything I can think of to try her make make her feel better for two hours, and finally, was like, you need to get some sleep. I need to get some sleep. You know, because uh, she seemed to be feeling a little better. But, ugh. so were you sober by the time the conversation wrapped? I was sober enough to fall asleep. Okay, but I was good. still like, you know, it's emotionally draining. It really was. Yeah, it was. It was not a, not a good scene. <laughs> All right, well... We're hey, running. we're in Georgia. Oh, awesome. All right, we're almost home. And we're running out of juice. So, um, before we wrap it, is there anything else you wanted to address or get on the podcast? No, are you going to do your rapid-fire questions with me? Do I do rapid-fire questions? Yeah, you like the music questions. Oh, yeah, yeah, my music questions. Yeah, I'm going to do that. Sure, sure. Just okay. before we get into that. Um, anything else? No. I love right. you, man. I love you, too. All right, so... Uh, as you know, I wrapped the, the podcast with which one of these three or combination of the three genres of music, if any, influenced you in your life at some point and your comic stuff and your art, hip-hop, 
punk rock metal? Um, probably uh, of the three of those. Well, if, if none of them were significant, say so. No, no, no. I mean, I, I think of the three of those, punk rock was definitely the most influential of the three of them. I listened to all three, uh-huh. um, mostly hip-hop and punk rock, but I discovered... Um, I didn't discover it. My father basically discovered it and showed it to me. He, he really? Went, he went on a business trip to London, and I told him to... It was right when I was getting into, you know, I want to be cool. Like, I want to be, like, one of the cool kids. I want to do what cool kids Probably do. like, 12? Yeah, yeah, very young. And I asked him to pick me up something cool from London, you right, know? Right, right, right. Um, and he came back, and he brought me a couple of copies of Deadline magazine, which uh, was this kind of, like, music and underground comic magazine. Right. And uh, inside of it was a story, uh, a comic book called uh, Tank Girl by Jamie Hewitt. Right. And... And of course, there was a lot of references to punk bands and things in the story, and or like graffiti on the wall of some band or whatever. And so I started looking up these bands and finding them, like the Butthole Surfers and stuff right, like that. Right, right, right. And not only did I like the music a whole lot, like Dead Milkmen and just shit like that, I really I loved the album covers and the artwork and sure. stuff like that. I thought it was so cool. Do and, you remember what Butthole Surfers record you got first? Oh, God, that's a good question. Because there's one Butthole Surfers record that I, I still to this day listen to and love, and it was produced by Al Jorgensen of Ministry, Yeah. and it was called Electric Larry Land. It wasn't that one. Okay. I know that wasn't I mean, that it. was later. That was probably 94. Oh, yeah, this this would have been this would have been um, mid to late 80s. Okay, so it was early Butthole Surfers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, this, this album, I felt, was much more musically mature, and it... It brought in some of the, the distortion and static of ministry into the butthole surfers. Right. And I love ministry, speaking of which, too. Oh, it really got into industrial. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, th- there's there's two ministry albums that I still listen to regularly. Mm-hmm. Psalm 69. Yeah. And The Mind is a Terrible Thing to Taste. Yeah, Mind is a Terrible Thing to Taste was like an anthem album. Yeah, that was a great album. I love that. Did you ever listen to uh, Knights of Reb or Front 242? Front 242 I listened to. Back in the day, and KMFDM. Yeah. I, and I loved KMFDM's poster design covers. Those things, the black, white, and red stuff. That yes. was awesome. I, I remember listening to Front 242, but I don't remember any albums or their or songs. I, I it's funny. I I just heard one recently, and now I can't even recall what it was. But it was yeah. one of those things. It was like Nights of Reb, where it wasn't necessarily like I love this song. It was more of the whole album is just fun to listen to. And there was because they never had a hit or a single or something right, like right, that. It was right. just you would just like. And Knights of Reb was like this German or Swiss industrial punk band that, that you couldn't understand a word they were saying. Right. It was, but I loved it. I just I, I loved it. Just, you know, just oh, yeah, really yeah. hard and driving it had beats. Static and white noise. Yeah. And it was awesome. Screaming through it was, megaphones right, and it was textural as hell. And they were doing sampling and stuff right, in it. You know. Right. Yeah. 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 You know. I don't know if I'm right in this. I I, th- I was under the impression that KMFDM stood for a kill motherfucking Depeche Mode. <laughs> no, I don't. You know, I, I honestly to this day don't know what it stands for. I'm pretty sure that's not it. I, it wouldn't surprise me just because of how anti-establishment and everything they were. Yeah, you should pause again and look it up. Uh, yeah, you know what? I am gonna do that. I'm gonna pause <laughs> and I'm gonna wiki that shit. All right, I'm back. I was wrong. Originally, it's it's German. Kein Mehrheit für die. Mitglied, loosely translated as no pity for the majority. So I was way off with that base. <laughs> We're running low on power. So, Mark, is it, uh, 
If you want to promote your websites or anything, oh this yeah, is yeah, time to do that. Um, please follow me on Twitter at Mark Brooks Art, M A R K B R O O K S A R T. Uh, you can find me on DeviantArt at www.deviantart. Oh, no, I'm sorry, www.markbrooksart.deviantart. No, I've gotten that wrong too. Yes. www.diablo2003.deviantart.com. And you can also find me on Facebook under Mark Brooks Art. Okay, and that's good. And please go do that. Follow him, comment him, tell him how much you like everything. Because that insecurity hole needs filling. It really does. It's a never-ending hole. It's bottomless. All right, thanks, Mark. Give me the outro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> hey, that's been Eggman and Flip Flop in the morning. We'll see you next time when we're going to talk about strippers. All right, man, because I got to get me some old bitches. <laughs> I know you do. Well, that was something. That was a good time. It was a good interview. I need to adjust my levels. Does that sound better? Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, hopefully Mark and I will continue the tradition. Sometimes there's other passengers in the car, which may make it tough. So we'll see. Only time will tell. Got to go with the flow, right? Thanks again for listening to Ink Pulp Audio. Uh, for those of you that are loyal listeners, I thank you a ton. Whoa. Was that me? Ton? Oh. Um, that just sounded good. I get good equipment. I, I see some people commenting that the sound quality is very good. I'm, I'm happy about that because I've spent some god dang money on this shit. So I hope it sounds okay. All right, that's it, people. You know where I am. You know what I do. Follow me. Subscribe. Please leave feedback on iTunes and subscribe. That's that's the important stuff right now. Uh, trying to get a feel for how many people really like this and are regular listeners. So thanks again for listening. That is all of your time I will take for today. Enjoy the outro music. Yeah. Uh-huh. All I think about is life, nights, flipping on Sprite, little codeine, nigga, get though right, two blind dykes wanna kiss all night, I just pray to God that the shit go right, little arguments and the fist don't fight, fuck a dog hoe when the bitch gon' bite, ASAP nigga sip Chris all night, shut up all Kelly hoes getting pissed on twice, damn high young nigga get so nice, young nigga cold like sitting on ice, fuck broke trying to be rich all life, I could've been a criminal and just roll dice, my nuts hanging my top back, hoes screaming that cock back, on west side, beans inside, ASAP life got a Harlem world, my whole block strap. Hoes all in my jock strap. My whip white, but my top black. And my bitch white, but my cock black. Purple drink, got that. Tell these hoes all the twerk something. Bounce on me, bitch, hurt something. Tell her pop that pussy like twerk something. Shawty, she is stunna. Daddy, he a runner. Pretty motherfucker, you can call me what you want. Cause I'm in love with that ass. She in love with the gas. So she shaking it faster than making them stacks. And I'm taking it back. And I'm taking it back to the house. It's a bus in the mouth. And I'm I'm leaving you, take your eyes and make the sign, going on.
So I'm shedding in my bucket ass Pause a little bit, I got a little advice If you fuck the once, then you can fuck it twice And don't get hair from hoes with overbites Just giving out game, nigga, show you right Born son, a nigga, turn night to bright High as a kite in my Nike flight Made 30 racks, it was just a flight To a bitch out too, it was just a night Shorty got the booty, make a nigga say, whoa Can I suck it till he's trying to see how far I can go Try again and again and she ain't telling me no Shorty tell me how you feeling, can I feel on you more? She said I ain't fucking for free But ain't shit I can't afford, uh Yeah, I'll pay you for it Now bounce that ass on my bungee cord uh, Yeah, Wootsie Daisy Put a good kid in your section 80 uh, Turn a baby to a lady Now here go the keys to my new Mercedes Shawty, she a stripper All you gotta do is tip her She got ballers with some money So you fuck them by the nigga Now do A through Z for a G Panties go down to her feet Pussy get wet there for me Smackin' the ass of the B Give her that diggity D Yeah Yeah. Mm-hmm.